Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 NFL Free Agency Primer. NFL Free Agency tampering period, at least, starts next Monday. Free Agency is going to kick off. I do not have all of the news as of yet on who is franchised and who is not, because in full disclosure, we waited as long as we could on a Tuesday afternoon to record this, because that was the only time we had to record. Uh, And this is coming out on a Thursday morning, so Alan Robinson news hasn't broke yet, so we'll kind of talk through that. But either way, remember to smash the like button for the episode, and if you're a fan of a team out there, you dump it in the comment section which available free agent you Pray that your team signs this free agency period for the NFL. Also, if you want to get into a draw for a hundred bucks, I mean, who doesn't want a hundred bucks? You got like four seconds on your hand. Four is probably a bit little. 19 seconds on your hand. Go to the description of this video. You'll find the links to Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets, a brand new show on Mayo Media Network. You can just help out by subscribing to Mayo Media Network right now on YouTube. That always goes a long way but if you leave a five-star review on the fantasy baseball show on apple podcast leave your twitter handle or email or some way i can contact you say something nice about the show you're gonna draw for 100 bucks we're giving away the winner on monday but what you want to be doing in the meantime and throughout the course of the next few weeks is going to ftnfantasy.com there's a little bar at the very top of the screen, where you're going to see things like, let's say, I don't know, the free agent tracker or the top NFL free agent rankings. You can also find those links in the description of this video and podcast. But Jeff Ratcliffe is the man running that. So from Sirius and FTN Fantasy, he's on the line. What's going on, man? Not much. Exciting time of the year. I love, uh, you know, just the, the the possibilities of the future. That's the beauty of the NFL. Some things are, are, are obviously going to stay the same, but we have a lot of movement already in play, franchise tags, some players who aren't going to be tagged, players who we know won't be tagged and will be on different teams, so it's very exciting. First pieces of the puzzle for 2021. If people are looking for more NFL content to inject into their veins, just head back on the Pat Mayo Experience podcast or on Mayo Media Network. We rank the top 10 quarterbacks if you were starting a franchise today for the next four years who would those quarterbacks be? I mean, a lot of people had a lot of different opinions on what was going on. Plus, we're going to have a whole bunch more football content coming out for you. Schedule coming out, free agent signings, NFL draft, and then basically fantasy football has started again for the year. Plus some betting previews too. Let's talk Dak Prescott because we actually know that he signed with the Cowboys for four years, got all of the guaranteed money in the world. Good for Dak. Uh, in uh, I'll throw this to you. If you were to start your team right now, you could have any quarterback today, and you needed one quarterback for the next four years. Where do you think Dak would rank on that list for you? That's a good question. <clears throat> next four years does take age out of the uh, out of the equation a little bit because you know Rodgers. I st- I think Rodgers is going to be a Brady like player where he is successful into his early 40s with Brady, who knows, perhaps beyond. But the way that these guys are starting to take care of themselves, you know, 40 doesn't hit like it used to, uh, which is a good thing. It's, um, you know, we're going to continue to see more and more of these players. So Rodgers is in there, but he's not going to be at the top of the list. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the top of the list. I think Josh Allen with the upward uh, trajectory is there because of his age as well. So Dak, my one major concern with Dak is that we don't, quite know what he is post-injury now I don't really have any major concerns and the fact that this team was able to pony up essentially the largest amount of guaranteed money in NFL history does at least you know 
uh, ease my apprehension there. Uh, and then we, of course, saw the historic pace that this guy was on at the start of the 2020 season. I mean, he had over 1,800 passing yards in five, four and a half games, basically, which is unheard of. Now, I don't think he kept that, he, he kept that up through the course of the season, but could he have had a 5,000-yard season? For sure. He definitely could have. I would say top five, not top three with Dak Prescott. There's a lot there that you like. I just want to make sure that the mobility is still there because that's a key part of his game as well. And we just don't know exactly where he's going to be after this injury. Uh, I had him at number six in my rankings behind Mahomes. I, I, Mahomes is one that I forget the order of everyone else, yeah. but it was Rodgers, Wilson, Josh Allen, and someone who's good that I am completely spacing out in my mind. Deshaun right Watson. Deshaun Watson. That was a guy. I had those five ahead of him. I buy it. I I, th I think that's uh, you know spot on right there. Rodgers is just the tricky one, whether to put him in the top five or not, because if, if Rodgers was three or four years younger, then yeah, it's an easy slam dunk. But then at the same time, he's coming off of arguably the best season of his professional career, certainly from a statistical standpoint. So yeah, I'm right there with you. He's right on the edge, top five. Uh, I, I would put him at five, six is uh, you know not too far off either. Oh, the gods were good to us, Jeff. Allen Robinson has been franchised by the Chicago Bears for the second time. And this once really good wide receiver market has now kind of deteriorated a little at the top end. It really does seem with Godwin getting tagged and Robinson getting tagged that Kenny Galladay is the prize piece that we're going to see on the market here, isn't he? He is. Uh, now, I, I do think we have to keep in mind that he came into the league a little bit older you know, he's not one of these young receivers. Like, Mari Cooper came into the league so young, uh, and, and that's uh, such a difference there when you consider the amount of seasons accrued, and he's still younger than Kenny Galladay. So from a fantasy mindset, I do want to, you know, I do definitely want to keep that in mind. I keep talking about from my dynasty people, my criteria. So criteria is pretty simple. It's the age where I'm no longer comfortable rostering that guy in a dynasty league. And it's sort of, well, it's a two-prong approach. It's not just age. It's also years in the league. So for a wide receiver, I'm really looking at age 29. I'm looking at eight years in the league, whichever kind of comes first. And if they both collide, which they usually do, then I want to move off of those guys. Kenny Galladay is already 27 years old. So that's a little bit of a concern for his long-term outlook. But you're absolutely right. In the short term, this guy's going to get paid. When players reach free agency, they get paid. Now, this is an anomalous year that we do actually have a salary cap contraction, which never happens. The NFL is a perpetual growth machine. But this year, for obvious reasons, we have that. But he's still, he's going to get paid. There are teams out there who have a lot of money who have a need for a wide receiver. Jacksonville, I'm looking at you. Jacksonville has tons of money. You know, New Orleans is looking at him like, how'd you guys do that? But they have tons of money right now. So we could see him land in a situation like that where the team who is willing to spend. Uh, there are some other teams out there. Regardless, Kenny Galladay, uh, definitely going to be one of the most high. He's not going to be the highest paid. I don't think he breaks DeAndre Hopkins numbers. But could we see close to 20 million? It wouldn't shock me because when good players reach free agency, they tend to break the bank. So the Jags have a ton of cap room. The Jets have a ton of cap room. Everyone who can catch a ball in the NFL has been linked to the Colts in some way. Uh, the Giants seem to be major players with all of this. The Patriots seem like they might want to get involved, but they seem more like a, I bet, a Will Fuller destination than maybe a Kenny Galladay destination. But there's a lot of top-end suitors here. I think he might break the record. I, I don't disagree. 
I don't disagree. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's rare for these types of players to reach free agency. There's usually some sort of situation that causes them to like Allen Robbins, for, for example, who we talked about. I mean, he could honestly be a tag and trade candidate. We'll see if, if Chicago actually wants to keep him, but he reached free agency after his stint with Jacksonville coming off of an injury. Kenny Galladay this year, not really as major of an injury, but the guy basically couldn't stay on the field. So that, I mean, ultimately has to be the, the deciding factor here. But if he can stay healthy, we know his ability to play downfield, his ability to play above the rim, his ability to be a true X receiver in the NFL is all there. So no doubt in my mind, he could have a standout season. Just got to be uh, certainly stay, stay healthy. That's the key. Yeah. And with Godwin coming off the board as well, like what does that do for like the secondary market of wide receivers? So if Galladay is the prize, you then have Fuller who is just perpetually coming off of injury riddled seasons, but it seems like he's going to command a lot in this market as well. He will. And remember, he will be suspended to start the season. One game suspension. Well, it was technically a four gamer, but three of them already served. I don't, that doesn't matter. Ultimately teams are going to be willing to take the, the, the risk on him. The thing that I do like about Will Fuller is there have been points in his career where he's been able to absolutely take over games. Now, some of those points were with Deandre Hopkins on the field, but he was still reasonably good last year without Deandre Hopkins on the field and really having to be that number one. You mentioned the Patriots. I, uh, I actually wrote uh, or did a, a, a podcast and, uh, and on my radio show segment on, optimal destinations. And that was the destination I had for Will Fuller. They do not have a downfield threat. If they decide to keep Cam Newton, if they're going to re-up, it would be a one-year deal. I'd highly doubt they give him anything long-term. But if they think, all right, we can't, we don't have the ammunition to get up. We don't think our quarterback's going to be at 15 when we pick in the draft. Let's just re-up with Cam. Or maybe they think, you know, maybe we don't know and we're still going to re-up with Cam. If you give Cam a downfield threat, that actually is helpful. Cam is not the most accurate short and intermediate passer, but he does have a reasonably big arm. So get him somebody who can go downfield. They don't have that in New England. They haven't had it in a while. Brandon Cook's really probably the last downfield threat that they've had. So it would make some sense. And he will get paid. You're right. It's uh, you know, it, it's just like it, it, with the NFL draft, as I mentioned before, when you have some of these top quarterbacks going in the first few picks, it makes some of these lesser quarterbacks who may still be first round talents or early day two talents go way up the board and become now top 15 or even top 10 picks. As a result, we see it year in and year out uh, when the position dries up. It makes the other guys look a little bit better. So, yeah, Fuller Fuller likely get paid here. So you have – they're probably number one and number two, depending on how you want to split it based on the available options that haven't been franchised. You have Galladay, you have Fuller. But then you have Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Corey Davis is going to enter free agency. Who else is out there? What, what's going on with Juju? Is he just yeah. not going back to Pittsburgh? Uh, that was that was the name who was next on my list. I I don't think so. And, and this is another one that's almost unprecedented. It's not like he's coming off of a bad season. He almost had a 100-catch season in 2020. But when you look at their situation, they were in such dire need of, of cap space that they actually obviously renegotiated Ben Roethlisberger. He's basically now on a one-year deal. It could be his last the last deal of his career. We don't know exactly what they're going to do beyond that point, but they have him. They have some young young up and comers. And what Pittsburgh has shown consistently over the years is 
on day two of the NFL draft, they are basically lights out when it comes to drafting these wide receivers. And sometimes wide receivers who are slightly off the beaten trail or slightly on the margins, we don't quite know what they are. You know, obviously Deontay Johnson, when they took him, I was like, ah, you know, good route runner. I don't know if he's if he's gonna really be anything. No, I was wrong. He's that was a brilliant pick. That was an awesome pick. Okay, the drops, whatever drops, go away. You know, this last year with Claypool, Claypool, there were people saying Claypool should play tight end at the NFL Combine last year in February. That was a brilliant pick. So they keep coming back. So I think they think you know, hey, we can let him walk. We're not going to be able to pay him what he wants to make because he's probably going to want to make up in that not maybe twenty million, but probably close. 16 to 18 million per year range doesn't make sense there. So Juju moves on at a very young age. He was another one of those receivers who came in very young, gets an opportunity to get paid. He could have a second opportunity later in his career if it pans out wherever he goes. But quality option, I just think he's ill-suited to be the number one on a team. He's got to be the number two. Get him so he can play in the slot. He can move around the formation, but primarily in the slot in three wide receiver sets. Jacksonville's another possible spot. You know, you have DJ Chark as your as your ex potentially there. You put uh, Juju in the slot. That's a nice little set of weapons for uh, Trevor Lawrence. So that could be a possible location. The other one a lot of people have mentioned, as you said, uh, the Jets, uh, another location there for Juju. We'll swing back to Dak, who we started on here in a second. You can always just hit up the time codes for all of this stuff. But I want to stick with receivers since we're here right now. Of that, like, next tier of receivers, does someone like Curtis Samuel do it for you? Maybe Sammy Watkins can catch on somewhere else? That, like, tertiary market of wide receivers, it feels like there's going to be a gem or two in there. I remember when Jamison Crowder got overpaid by the Jets. And then it turns out, like, all these years later, he wasn't really overpaid all that much. He stayed healthy for a large percent of the time. He's been pretty good in his tenure with the Jets. Is there someone like that that you think that can stick on to one of these teams? Like, think about how good of a signing Cole Beasley was for the Bills a few years back. Like, if just uh, the right guy goes to the right situation, do you see any nice matches for some of these available wide receivers? Well, you know, I do. <laughs> it's not a younger receiver, but uh, how sexy would Marvin Jones to the Chiefs be? Oh the Chiefs do have a little bit of work to get get themselves in the right spot for the, the salary cap. They got some time. They got a week to figure it out. Uh, Marvin Jones has said flat out, I want to play for a Super Bowl contender and I want to get paid. So maybe, you know, it's going to be a little bit tricky, the getting paid part. Uh, he, you know, he's north of 30 at this point in his career, but I still think he has two good years left. And that's a little bit of a, a different receiver than what you have. You have, you have a, a team of track world-class track athletes there uh, for Kansas City. Jones isn't that type of player, but he's a major red zone presence that Patrick Mahomes hasn't re- – I mean, he has Travis Kelsey, but he hasn't had it wide receiver. You know, I love Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill is not going to be a guy who averages, you know, over one end zone target per game over the course of a season. But Marvin Jones has already done that in the course of his career. So I think that could be an interesting one. Now, you mentioned Curtis Samuel. I actually, before the Giants released Golden Tate, had that as my my location for him. I think that's sort of the direction they may go, you know, get a little bit extra help in there uh, for Daniel Jones. And you get a dynamic receiver who can definitely work in the short and intermediate. He showed that this past year at Carolina. He showed the year before under the previous regime that he can also be a downfield threat. You obviously have, uh, you know, you have Sterling Shepard there as a sort of versatile inside-outside guy. Uh, you have Darius Slayton, who's – he proved this year – I don't think we're going to take the cheese on that in fantasy drafts this year. He's a downfield threat. 
you add some more versatility with Curtis Samuel, that could be a good, uh, good route for him. And I still do believe in the progression of Daniel Jones. I do think that ultimately he's going to take another step forward this year. I know that he's not going to be as popular for fantasy purposes, but they do have a good thing working there under Joe judge in New York. So there's two other guys that are hitting the market coming off impressive seasons. I I would say I, they were unexpectedly good seasons. One is Corey Davis. who's only 26 years old. The other one's Nelson Aguilar who looked good at times. Turns out maybe he just wasn't used properly in Philadelphia that entire time. Still had the drops issue. You know, people selectively will use drops as an argument and then ignore. It's the same thing I used to always say, like, you know, uh, when people would make the injury prone arguments, you know, they, they'd say one player is injury prone and then blatantly ignore another player who has a lengthy injury history. Uh, you know, Aguilar is Aguilar. Uh, he had an opportunity here. There were times in Philadelphia where he put up some decent numbers because he was the only guy there. And basically that's kind of what happened in L.A., uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy buy in on him as being a, I mean, he's also getting up there in age too, but as being a factor elsewhere, but Hey, we're not going to knock what he did this past year. It probably makes the most sense for him to stay with the Raiders, but, but we'll see. But you mentioned Corey Davis. I, 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 I do agree. He wasn't that bad. As long as he doesn't have to be the alpha, the number one, I think he's a, a fine number two receiver and the age factor is really huge there too. So the team doesn't have to necessarily break the bank for Corey Davis, gets him in there, may have something really nice on their hands going forward uh, through his uh, his second contract. Well, and the Titans are letting Corey Davis go, presumably. Jonu Smith is a free agent. Uh, it looks like they're letting their punt returner and kickoff special teamer go. Like, Are they someone who might bring in a wide receiver on the outside to play opposite A.J. Brown? possibly they could also be looking the draft route uh we have you know that's that's going to be an interesting one now it's not a it's not a pass heavy team so i don't know how much they're going to prioritize it you know they we've seen them though recently address uh via free agency so that could be a route they're obviously going to have to address the position though because you can't just solely rely on aj brown i know all he does is score touchdowns but you need at least some complimentary help there. But I, I actually think that the draft might make more sense for them uh, this go-round. Yeah, and then you have other guys. 28 seems to be a popular age. Like Rashad Perriman is 28. Sammy Watkins is 28. Aguilar is 28. But Corey Davis is 26. And there's another 26-year-old. And maybe it's just like a fantasy bias clicking in is that every time this guy got an opportunity, he was actually kind of good. And it was Richard Higgins that it feels like he's going to catch on somewhere to be a number three. He's not going to be expensive, but I feel like he's a good receiver. The original Hollywood. All right. Take that Marquise Brown, Hollywood Higgins. I I agree. He was really good at the college level as well. And um, you know, coming in, maybe there were, there were times where he was maybe slightly miscast. I think you're right as a number three, Uh, A guy who can play slot receiver for you, can play a little bit on the outside, has that versatility. The challenge, of course, with us, you know, and I keep warning people when it comes to the NFL draft, if you are listening to NFL draft analysts, if you're listening to scouts, if you're listening to draft Knicks, and you're a fantasy person, you're going to be misguided. Like all those people, their objective is to nitpick, right? Is to go crazy and nitpick on every last problem with those players. That's going to give us a jaded perspective of those players when it comes to fantasy. You know, uh, DK Metcalf was the prime example. People were like, oh, all he does is run nine routes. It's like, so? (laughs) Get him downfield, baby. I don't care for fantasy purposes. 
when it comes to free agency, we're going to have like a player. If Hollywood Higgins does sign as a number three receiver, like that's going to be reasonably big news in the news cycle, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be big news for fantasy purposes. So we have to kind of remember who our sources are. If we're getting this news from Adam Schefter, Adam Schefter may play fantasy, but he's not reporting to a fantasy audience. So just keep that in mind. Uh, if, if Higgins, somebody like him does sign as a number three. Let's circle back to Dak and really kind of get into this. How does this affect the Cowboys cap situation going forward? Because maybe I read this wrong, but they're going to pay him $75 million year one of this deal, (laughs) which if they can squeeze that under the cap, it seems like it would give them massive flexibility the three years after. Well, it's, it's not, it's, it's a $66 million bonus, right? So they are paying him 9 million base that counts against the cap. But when when you have a bonus, so for example, when you hear team, whatever, team X converts player Y remaining contract into bonus, that um, that bonus money gets spread over the cap. So no matter what, as a team, if you are paying a player, whether it's a bonus, whatever it is, that's going to count against the cap, right? But the beauty to a, a bonus like this, so it's a four-year deal, that's $66 million that they are going to pay him this year is actually spread out over the cap over the next four years of the deal. So for the Cowboys, just like everybody else, while in some ways, you know, we're going to be paying for COVID, you know, on the salary cap going forward, they're anticipating a a big rise in the salary cap as everybody else is. And and that's going to be pretty beneficial for them. So they're going to make out pretty well. And it was really, I, I have to say, it was a really sharp way of doing it. Uh, to to get him his money and then also to to really leverage that against the future on their cap. Well, with all of the rights deals coming up in the NFL rather soon, and did will ESPN just jump back into Monday Night Football right for like six billion dollars or something crazy? Well, D- Disney has a whole negotiating all of that deal, and the interesting thing about that as well is uh, Disney. Now they're going to be in the mix for the Super Bowl. So the last, you know, at least the last eight years, I can't remember before that because I can't even remember what I had for freaking lunch. But the last eight years, it's been a three three network rotation between NBC, CBS, and Fox. Uh, I can't remember the last time ABC had a Super Bowl or ESPN, whatever you call it, the same thing, you know, at this point. But now they're going to be back in the mix. There's a couple question marks. I mean, Thursday Night Football looks like it could go to Amazon after the current deal is done. CBS, NBC looks like their deals are essentially done without being publicly announced. The Murdochs having a little bit of a a back and forth with the NFL. That's what some of the holdup has been with the salary cap. Uh, But that is anticipated to get done as well. The, the, uh, the, the great mystery though, Pat, what happens with Sunday ticket? Like nobody's talking about Sunday ticket, which now is a direct TV property, but there's been some rumblings that Disney could even be in the mix for that. So can you imagine uh, Disney plus broadcasting the NFL ticket? It's going to be a different world when that happens, but for now, yeah, a big time money. And then of course, with the gambling legislations that, uh, that continue the landscape continues to change in the United States as more and more states come online. There's going to be more and more revenue for the NFL. So yeah, uh, the, I, the perpetual growth machine is going to be back in play once this pandemic is is in the rearview mirror. Well, it's strange that the pandemic has actually assisted in some of these things too. Like think about like the Zoom stock throughout the course of the year. My grandma calls yeah. me on Zoom now. 
She now knows how to use all of these things. She can use FaceTime on her phone. Never would have occurred to her to press that button in the past. And, like, I would have to call her to walk her through how to press the button. She didn't, Now she just knows how to do it. So the pandemic has really caught a lot of older people up who would be the ones that, that would be the biggest complainers about these things. Like, Cust is always on the show. He lost his mind when there was the Amazon exclusive game. Although all you had to do was go to Amazon.com to watch it. He couldn't figure that out. But in Canada, Sunday Ticket for the past three years now has been on DAZN. And you can watch it on your iPad, you can stream it to your TV, you can do whatever. But a lot of people had a significant problem with that because they just weren't ready to stream Sunday Ticket. That's not the way that they had experienced watching it. They wanted to be able to get it on their TV, and that wasn't available right away. And then there was just a lot of streaming problems year one. Now, they've rectified most of those problems, but what they did was not only are they the exclusive home of Sunday Ticket, uh, both in Canada, I believe in Great Britain, and most of the world, they bought up most of the international rights to this but country independent uh, of each other. They've also sold some of those rights back to the television networks that people can buy it through their TVs at the same time, just they have to cut to zone a check for each of those sales too. So I can see that happening. But if Disney Plus was to get Sunday Ticket, just think about how beneficial that would be for them in new subscriptions of people who don't have kids or aren't like weird Disney people that would have Disney Plus. I mean, maybe they have ESPN Plus and they just get everything all lumped into one. But just to sell off of that, that's such a premier property to have for a streaming service. I'm actually kind of surprised that Netflix never got involved with this whatsoever. They don't seem to have any interest in doing anything live, so it does seem like it's between someone like Amazon and Disney for it. Maybe DAZN actually jumps into that mix, because that would elevate them in the United States a whole lot more than they are now, where they're more of an international company. There's just so many different ways you can go about it, but I do think that one of the cable networks will get back into the mix as sort of a sub-leaser from if one of these streaming services get it yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and you know there's another element to the the game watching experience now you mentioned those amazon broadcasts i i had a very hard time explaining to my one of my uncles who's one of the older generation folks that you could actually change the broadcast team like you didn't just have to listen to the broadcast team and so i i often would just switch over to what they were calling the scouting feed so it was daniel jeremiah bucky brooks calling the game and they have the Twitch going on. So they're interacting with people on the Twitch on the broadcast. Like this is a completely different experience than what we're used to of just, you know, play-by-play, -play, color analyst, impersonal, they're doing their thing and you're just listening in. Like Daniel Jeremiah at one point gave it like this guy's dog a shout out. He's like, hey, give my dog Charlie a shout out or whatever. So Daniel Jeremiah is like, so what's up, Charlie? Like, and then they're just rolling through the broadcast. We're going to have more and more of that. I'm waiting, and Brad Evans, my, my partner over at FTN, our partner there, uh, he has said for a while, when is it that we have either – it's a, like a Gene Steratore, like you know how we go to Gene Steratore or whoever the rules expert is, whenever there's a rules thing going on. When do we have a gambling person that we go to or we, go, we have a fantasy person, like somebody gets hurt, and then we go to so-and-so in New York with the fantasy update on this, like – that could happen when we have uh, different broadcast teams. I think in the next decade, the, the way that we consume football, 
uh, is going to transform and it's going to transform for a good in a good way not a bad way well i guess it all depends on who gets these streaming services because i'm kind of with you like jeff and i have been doing our live cut sweat golf for all the majors for like the past three or four years and essentially what we're doing the entire time is talking about the major DraftKings players who are on the cut line who may or may not make it plus we're talking about live betting as we're going along but it's more of a hang it's not here's what's exactly going on on the screen it's not play by play by any means we'll talk about what's going on on the screen periodically but it'll be more in the context of what are the live betting odds what are the whole odds that kind of thing so there's definitely a demand for that I don't know if it would actually translate over into the traditional TV broadcast I don't think we're that close yet but if ESPN like you said can get it or Amazon gets it you can create the all fantasy or the all gambling feed where it's just more of a hang to talk about this stuff as it's going along but if I think it probably works better if Disney does it. And then you would probably have to put it on ESPN Plus for sure, because I don't think that Disney would actually want to be involved in that under the actual Disney banner, as opposed to Amazon, who I don't think has any skin in the game in terms of any of the providers. But, I mean, ESPN, like, they kind of have their hands in, I mean, they, they own part of DraftKings, don't they? I believe so. So yeah, it, if I believe the, so. If that's the case, then why couldn't you integrate the DraftKings app into ESPN Plus? You can pick your team through the service like, oh, busted out of the one o'clock games. Hey, just a quick little pop up. Well, the games are going on. Why don't you fill out your four o'clock slate teams and just have it come up as like a pop up on the screen? You can still watch the game. You can pick your teams. You can go do that at exactly the same time. And that way you can integrate it into the broadcast. You don't even have to go onto your phone for it. You can do it all through the TV like that sort of integration and along with sports betting and live betting if you can do that on your screen while you're watching the game i feel like that's where they're focusing more right now as an integration rather than the broadcasting part of it because if you can ai all that stuff well the initial startup cost is a lot cheaper it takes fewer people to actually run that because it becomes all automated yeah it makes a lot of sense uh, and, and you know, the, the live betting aspect, I know that there are a lot of companies out there who are prioritizing that, uh, trying to transform that experience. And let's face it, I mean, there's a lot of money in it. So it does make sense. Wherever there is money, there's going to be investment and there's going to be innovation. So it's exciting times, though, regardless. And like you said, uh, this uh, this is definitely going to impact the the NFL. I mean, let's take Russell Wilson, for example, now. I'm not going to talk about the trade stuff, all that. His previous contract, he actually wanted to get that tied to the salary cap so that his salary would escalate based on the salary cap, not based on a flat rate. Uh, that didn't ultimately happen, but I think we're, we're not too far away from that potentially being a reality as well in the NFL where certain players go that route. You get basically a COLA contract where you get the cost of living adjustment along with it, but it's just tied to the salary cap. I love that idea. Although it'd be really yeah. shitty this year. Yeah, it would have backfired. <laughs> it would have backfired for Russ big time. But, you know, in the future, though, again, I mean, how often do you expect a pandemic? Hopefully, no, no sooner than every hundred years here, at least recent track record. So it, it seems like it would be a wise move beyond that point. But really, you know, Russ saw the writing on the wall for the sports betting. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing, we expect just a, a massive uptick. I mean, we've seen the money that, that the NBA has seen, you know, the uptick in, in NBA, uh, that could happen to the NFL as well. Uh, the contracts in the NBA are just outrageous. When you see what some of these guys are being paid, could be the, the case for the NFL. Not this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the next five years that, that salary cap goes way up. 
Yeah, they really need to lean into, and I guess it depends on when, like, New York and Texas and California. Once those three places fall for legalized sports betting, like, all bets are on at that point, and it will probably be fully integrated into the game, and then you'll have your separate broadcast with a bit of times, because you're seeing it in golf right now. There is a separate all-gambling feed that you can watch, which is fucking horrendous. Like, it is unwatchable. It's because the people that run these things either don't know about gambling or don't know about new technology. They've they've really hired a lot of these like old heads uh, to run some of this stuff. So for the all gambling golf feed, what you see is them talking primarily to people who may have never bet before. Like, oh, here's how you bet. Uh, here's what this means. But those people aren't tuning into the all gambling broadcast. Like people who have already bet on this stuff and want to track this stuff are the people that are actually going to go on the internet to find this alternate feed to go do it. Like it's more niche than maybe they want it to be. They just think, oh, we'll flip the switch. Everyone's going to be into this. Let's just explain it to people like they don't have a fucking clue what's going on. And that's not the actual target market for any of this. So maybe the NFL can learn from some of these mistakes that the other places made. Now, I'm very happy that this stuff is happening because the infrastructure is now in place for them to now figure it out. It's not going away. They can only improve upon here. And usually by the time the NFL jumps aboard for anything like this, they tend to do it right, at least from a TV and streaming perspective. So I'm very excited about that. Growing up cereal was one of the best parts about being a kid, but I had to give it up because being an adult and eating sugar-filled snacks is probably not the best move. Doesn't make me feel good, put it that way. So I've been cutting down on carbs and sugar and trying to cut down on the unhealthy foods. And basically I realized couldn't really eat anything anymore. So that wasn't great. But with the new year already into it, and you, know, you start your resolutions a little bit later than normal, we're all trying to eat better. But a healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has amazing flavors that you love. And with, get this, None of the bad stuff. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Also, it's very good. Highly recommend some Magic Spoon. And we got some exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors this month for a limited time only. And we're talking about, get this, cookies and cream and maple waffle. Sounds terrific. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I don't know what is. This is the ultimate treat yourself combo. So make sure to get some while you can for a limited time or just build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. If you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well, along with the United States. And here's the movie you want to do. I mean, you can do different things like mixing coca and peanut butter together because it tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup, but just get a whole bunch of the fruity stuff. The fruity Magic Spoon cereal is amazing. Highly recommend. When I first got it, I wish I had gotten eight boxes of it instead of just two because uh, I would have just plowed through that and eaten it for every meal. Could not recommend highly enough the fruity flavored Magic Spoon. So... Go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab the new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or a custom bundle of cereal to try today. And to be sure to use promo code mayo at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is good now anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code mayo 
at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. We keep starting with Dak, and then we keep getting away with Dak on these side tangents. So, Cowboys, are they a contender? Like, with them paying Dak so much and Zeke so much, like, can they have a defense? I mean, they can. They, they're going to have to draft the defense. Uh, my most recent mock, you can get that over at ftnfantasy.com. 2.0, I actually have them taking Patrick Sertain, which... No, 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 no. no. I, I don't think he's in the draft. I think he played like 20 years ago. I, I, I may yeah. be misremembering that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His son. All right, you got it. But if you remember last year, they did take a an Alabama corner as well. So you get in Trayvon Diggs. So now you'd have two big body corners on the outside there. That would certainly help. I mean, you're going to have to prioritize uh, the defensive side of the ball in the draft, but you can do that. And you now have the luxury of doing that because you don't you don't need another wide receiver at this point. I really don't think you're going to need help at tight end. Uh, you don't need anybody in that backfield for now. Don't need a quarterback. I, I, yeah, I, I think they can field a defense. The problem is it's not necessarily – if it's a young defense, it's not going to be the best defense. So that's great for fantasy purposes. They're going to put up a lot of points. It's going to be another shootout-centric uh, style uh, uh, game, ball game for them week in and week out next year. So you know, I actually love it for Dak Prescott. And by the way, Ezekiel Elliott, I know people love to hate him, but fine. You know, Let's keep that our secret. Let's let people in our home leagues – hate Ezekiel Elliott, let him fall to the second round. This dude was third in fantasy scoring before Dak got hurt last year. In four games, four stinking games, he had 12 goal line carries. That's more than all but 12 other running backs had on the season. So get that back in the mix. You have Tony Pollard to spell him a little bit so you don't have to have Ezekiel Elliott playing 90% of the snaps. It's a good situation for him. I think CeeDee Lamb takes a step forward. You have Amari Cooper there as well. And Michael Gallup, we know he's not going to hit every single week, but when he hits, he typically hits pretty big. I, I mean, it's a great situation. I can see a few different things. I guess coming back from the injury, maybe it's not that Dak was a big runner, but he tended to run around the goal line a lot and just rush in touchdowns because he's such a big body. And then if he saw a lane that he could just pound it in. So he always ended up with a few rushing touchdowns and not a whole bunch of yardage on the ground every single year. So he probably scales that back a little bit, which I think would be a check mark for Ezekiel Elliott. But when can the Cowboys get out of Elliott's contract and cut him where it's not that big of a deal to their cap? Because it seems to me like the first opportunity that they get to do that, they might take that opportunity and go sign someone on defense. You know, that's a good question. I, I don't have, let me, I'm see if I can pull these cap numbers up in front of me. Uh, so, okay. So it looks like 2022 would be that time. So obviously this year, they're not going to be able to do so. Uh, they would crush themselves with the cap. Uh, they could get out from under it in 2022. Um, not optimal, more optimal in 2023, but you know, I, I don't know how much more we're going to see of these types of contracts. You know, I really don't. You know, we haven't talked about Aaron Jones yet, but I, there's, you know, there's a reason why I never thought that they were going to re-sign him uh, to, or re-up on, on a, or extend him, I guess I should say, because these contracts, we already now have a cautionary tale. The key cautionary tale of 
Todd Gurley, right? At quarterback, we now have the cautionary tales of Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. But Todd Gurley, the cautionary tale, when you give these, these guys a second deal, you have to pay them. And typically, they're already almost hitting their, their expiration date. Somebody had asked me about that. They asked me about Aaron Jones in Dynasty. And I said, I'm not trading for him. He's too old. And the guy's like, 26 is old? And I said, yes, at running back, 26 is old. It's a shame. It's not old at all at most positions in the NFL, but at basically any other position. But at, at, at running back, it is, and especially when you're Ezekiel Elliott and you've had all the carries that you've had. But, you know, again, if, if he goes out and he puts up a pretty solid year, finds the end zone double-digit times, you know, goes for over 1,000 yards, contributes in the passing game, I don't think they're going to find a need to get off of him. But, you know, if he hits that wall that, that we saw Todd Gurley hit very early in, uh, you know, in his career, basically, I mean, yes, he came in the league a little bit younger. But Todd Gurley, you'd think Todd Gurley was 35 years old. You'd think he's old, as old as Frank Gore. Frank Gore's like a decade older than him. So it happened so quickly. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like 2022 would make, this, make sense if they actually wanted to get out from under him. But they can't do it this year. Well, you also have to consider at number 10, the Cowboys might be sitting there and they're like, oh, Kyle Pitts hasn't gone yet. We could upgrade a tight end. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility, I think. Yeah, people got angry at me where I had Kyle Pitts going in my mock draft. I'm going at 12, which to the Niners? is the San Francisco 49ers. Play yes, 12. It is. Just play 12. Everyone's doing it. Why not have two of the best? Play, play 12. Roll out there with George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, uh, Devo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk and try to defend that. Like, just try to defend that. That would be so much fun. I, I don't it, – maybe it was wishful thinking, but, uh, you know, I had um, I had a little bit of movement in the first round. I had a trade. I had Miami trading back. Uh, and now that looks like it makes a lot of sense because I know a lot of people wanted Miami to take Penny Sewell in that spot. They're not going to – I mean, they traded for Isaiah Wilson. Like, we'll see if he's even anything. Like, can he even get on the field? But I don't think they're going to take Sewell there, and it does make sense. They could actually get some decent picks. Brian Flores from that Belichick school of thought, the move back, move back. Well, I don't know if he is, but he is from the Belichick school. So if they move back to eight, Carolina makes the power play, gets up, gets a quarterback at three. That could be fun. So, yeah, Pitts fell. I just – I don't know, man. I didn't think they were going to take C.D. Lamb last year. We were on air on Sirius – and I, I forget who suggested it. They're like, oh, they could take CD. I'm like, they're not going to take a wide out. Yeah, they took a wide out there. So I guess I wouldn't rule it out. So other quarterbacks that are on the market, do you think that Jameis ends up with a starting job anywhere? Yeah, I think he's the starting quarterback for New Orleans. What, I, what I about Taysom think- Hill? He's great. Five and one as a starter. <laughs> That's funny. Um Jameis, they basically have said as much that Jameis would get the opportunity or would be the more likely candidate. I don't think Taysom Hill passed the audition. Five and one is, you know, I don't know if we credit that all to Taysom Hill by any means. <laughs> he he can't throw the football. He's not a natural throw of the ball. He is such a versatile player. I mean, I give him a lot of credit where credit's due. This dude has played basically every position. You know, he played running back, wide receiver, tight end. He's back there returning kicks. You know, he's made a whole lot more than I ever thought coming out of BYU that he'd be able to do, but he's not the future for that team. Now, is Jameis, I don't know necessarily, but if you could get Jameis on a one-year deal this year and you're Sean Payton and you think you can maybe correct some of his deficiencies, his biggest deficiency, obviously, is the I only look downfield. That's all I do. I'm going to throw the ball downfield. That's why tight ends never did anything in Tampa with Jameis under center. 
It'll hurt, obviously, Alvin Kamara. If that's the case and he can't correct that, it'll hurt Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas is not a downfield threat. And then it ultimately will hurt the Saints because they don't have a viable downfield threat really in that offense right now. But if you think you can correct that, get him on a one-year deal, prove it. Doesn't It's not a terrible spot. The only other thing that I could see happening here is if they let him walk, um, I don't think Jameis gets a starting job, but I think he could be fast-tracked to a starting job in Pittsburgh. Remember, coming into the league, that was the comp. People are like, this dude's Ben Roethlisberger. And, and actually, like, looking at it, it's not a bad comp. I mean, he's he he likes to push the ball downfield. He's not fast, but he's awkwardly mobile, right? Like, he's kind of Ben Roethlisberger. So if you're that team, maybe you look at, at, at him instead of trying to – fight your way to a quarterback in this year's draft I just don't think you're going to be able to do it you know maybe Kyle Trask on day two that could work but I I don't think outside of New Orleans I don't think Jameis starts anywhere else I I thought that last year I guess Cam ended up starting for the Patriots but I that's where I thought that he was going to go to go back up Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh now he was holding out for the starting job but that Cam as a backup made a lot of sense to me being like oh we can evaluate him to see where he goes and we didn't really know what was happening with Roethlisberger coming into last year coming off the massive injury you know the last the last photo that we had of Ben Roethlisberger before he came back for week one was him with like the mountain man beard and literally weighed 480 pounds like it was like earthquake earthquake tugboat and ben roethlisberger they could have taken on demolition in a three-on-three match in the late 80s like it was kind of ridiculous how he looked and that i thought that he did kind of deteriorate as the season went down but he's gonna be back like isn't that weird that he's gonna come back i think so but then at the same time you have to start somebody would you rather and a hobbled Ben, who can't really push the ball downfield, but can throw to the ball to, to Deontay Johnson 25 <laughs> times a game. Would you rather that or, I mean, you don't have a starter on the roster. You don't want, you don't want to go with Mason Rudolph. You, after that, like, what do you do? Do you go bridge? Do you go Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, you're legit in bridge territory. So you might as well bridge with Ben or, I mean, Trubisky. Do you think Trubisky's a starter? Do you go Terod Taylor, who's basically been a career bridge himself? I, I guess it makes sense. I mean, I don't love it for Pittsburgh, but one last hurrah. You know, if you are the Steelers, though, you're almost you're like this close to pushing the panic button because you don't have a future in place. Jameis makes entirely the most sense to me. And if you can't get yeah. him, I, I don't hate like what do you think Trubisky ends up signing for? He gets like a the Mariota type deal, probably less like two years, 12 million or something. I could see that. I could see something like that. Um, that you know, running through the teams to think who who would view him as a starter. No one. There aren't a ton of teams who who would right. So I think he's going to have to play as a backup. And honestly, you know, we we talk about the the cautionary tale of somebody like Carson Wentz. Well, we do have the aspirational tale of Ryan Tannehill for some of these guys as motivation to go that route. All of these guys have egos. We know that. Do they really want to do that? Especially if you're uh, Trubisky coming off an end of the season where I'm sure to him, he thinks he did, you know, probably a pretty good job, reasonably good job. Sure. I don't know if he necessarily wants to be a backup, but he's probably going to have to be. I, I mean, the teams that absolutely need a quarterback right now, Carolina, not going to take him. Washington, 
I don't, I don't think so. You know, the, those types of teams, I just don't think it's in the mix. So yeah, backup job. I, I thought Pittsburgh could be in play for Trubisky as well. If it's not somebody like Jameis. I thought that Trubisky actually makes a lot of sense backing up Carson Wentz in case Carson Wentz is just absolutely fried and he's not good anymore. That at least you would have Frank Reich working with Trubisky. Maybe he can sort out some of his issues because we've seen flashes. I mean, it's usually just whenever he plays the lions twice a year, but outside of that, it's never really looked that good, but Reich has worked some wonders in the past that if you can get a flyer on him for low cost at low years, like a two year, 12 million, two years, 14 million, the Colts have a ton of cap room. It's not, really going to affect them all that much and it does give you an out in case Wentz like I said is cooked I could see that I I think teams do need to think more about these kids when they come into the NFL and they're not in a pro style system of catering more to what they were good at you know Trubisky it was zone or well it was uh it was it was not necessarily all zone read man read it was read option uh at the college level that he was playing a lot of with the RPOs and he's a sneak, he was a sneaky, good running quarterback at college level. We didn't see a lot of that at the pro level and you're right. He has flashed at times. So I, I don't think that, you know, it's just like, okay, this is the last raw and then we're never going to hear from him again. He's going to bounce around a little bit. That could make sense. Uh, you know, we heard some rumblings about teams inquiring to trade for Chase Daniel. To me, I just thought that that screamed the Colts to me because uh, you know, he knows the, uh, he, he knows the the system there. He knows what Frank Wright can do, and uh, he would make for a perfect backup to Carson Wentz. No challenge whatsoever. Like you know, Chase Daniels just going to be the backup. That's that's what I thought with that one. But I could see Trubisky going there. I think that Chase Daniel deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame when his career is over. <laughs> it's the most impressive career I think that anyone in the history of jobs has ever had. I think he's made now like. $60 million or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Backup quarterbacks, the way to go. Uh, you know, another staggering one is look at how much Alex Smith has made over the course of his career. He's made almost $200 million. I mean, <laughs> a, a, but at least he was the first pick in the draft. <laughs> he was, he was, I mean, but he was, I mean, he was a starting quarterback for a long time, but he was never an elite player, you know, and, and $200 million is insane money. But yeah, Chase Daniel, I'm impressed by that. Definitely impressed by that. Not not quite Sam Bradford, but Bradford also a premium pick as well. Yeah, Bradford Chase also. Daniel. Well, Bradford and Alex Smith really they well they I mean I think it was Bradford who was the last one who was under the old rookie structure where the first overall pick got like two hundred million dollars or something stupid like that before it was the biggest advantage in the world to have one of the top five picks and you get these rookie contracts on quarterbacks. So I think some of that adds into it just based on the old rules. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Matthew Stafford was under those old rules as well. Uh, almost like the Dak question. I had, uh, when I did those quarterback rankings, I put Stafford at 10 uh, of quarterbacks that for the next four years I think I would want. I think they can finally unleash him. I think the talent is so much there for him, and he's a cut above that like next tier down of quarterback and some of the unknowns. Like the day, like if you told me for the next four years, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Matt Stafford? Yeah, like with a bullet, it's Matt Stafford, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's not only unleashing him, it's unleashing Sean McVay's playbook. There's a reason why the team started to look flat here the last you know season and a half or so offensively. There was limitations with Jared Goff. Jared Goff is like a Derek Carr type. You can do certain things with him. He's a starting caliber quarterback, but he's not off the charts with some of the throws that he can make. And Stafford can do that. 
Now, our perception of Stafford has certainly been jaded over the last couple of years, but he has been in football purgatory. This guy has never had a good run game, you know, to support him as well. He's going to have that with Cam Akers. Cam Akers is going to be a lot of fun there. He has, you know, the short receive, short area receiver in Cooper Cup that that you absolutely want. He has a versatile guy in, in Robert Woods. Tyler Higby can, you know, do a lot of things for you at tight end. I don't know if they address wide receiver. I, I feel like there is a glaring need with some speed. They don't have that. You know, Van Jefferson is not going to be that guy. Josh Reynolds set to hit free agency. They don't have anything beyond that. So maybe they get one more weapon in there this year, possibly in the draft, because I don't think free agency is the route. Get, there's a lot of speedy guys in this year's draft, man. Guys who, if they make it to day two, you know, I, I, I really think Elijah Moore is going to go in on day one. But this dude – you know, you get somebody like that, and I'm not saying the Rams get him, but there's so many athletic, speedy guys that can give you that downfield presence. Uh, if you get that for Stafford in addition to what's already in place there, that offense is going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I agree with you. Top 10, absolutely. He doesn't get that rub because of where he played, but the dude is so talented. Beyond Aaron Jones, and we're not quite sure what the market is for him at this moment. And you'll probably the, the problem with Aaron Jones is is where he's gonna want so much money that all of the second tier and third tier running backs are going to accept less money at some of these places and then dry up all of the available spots Aaron Jones could potentially go. Like if one team that is running back hungry is like, Oh yeah, Kenyon Drake, you're on the team. Oh, Chris Carson, okay, you're on the team for you know, two years, seven million or something like that. It just takes away the opportunities and landing destinations that Aaron Jones is going to have. But outside of Aaron Jones, is there a running back on this free agent market that you can see being like even fantasy viable next year and could potentially be a starter somewhere? Yeah. I mean, Kenyon Drake, as much as people don't want to hear it. Um, a lot of people have connected the dots with Kenyon Drake to Atlanta. Uh, I don't see that one happening. And I'll tell you precisely why Kenyon Drake to Atlanta under previous regime Sure. Makes sense. Kenyon Drake to Atlanta with Arthur Smith as head coach, Arthur Smith, who just coached Derrick Henry. I don't see it happening. I, I see actually Chris Carson would make a lot of sense there. And if Chris Carson went to Atlanta, that'd be cool. I mean, you're talking 250 plus carries as long as he stays healthy, maybe not a huge involvement in the passing game, but you know, a little bit of meat on the bone there. But I, I think I definitely tilted some people when I said, and I guess maybe it's just this San Francisco thing that I have, Kenyon Drake to the 49ers. Could you imagine him but in that offense? Like that, I know people love to hate Kenyon Drake, but man, would that be sexy. One cut and go. We know he has the explosive ability. And unlike the running backs who we've seen in San Francisco in the Kyle Shanahan era, Kenyon Drake's a reasonably big dude as well. So he'd be able to hold up to the punishment a little bit more. That would be awesome. The other spot that I think he could go, you know, I really think he stays in the NFC West. So Carson bounces, maybe Kenyon Drake goes up to Seattle. And in that instance, you're talking about a high volume game because we know if Pete Carroll gets his way, they're going to run the darn ball. So yeah, I think Kenyon Drake can remain viable. The one guy who I don't think remains viable though is James Conner. People will always remember fondly the Le'Veon Bell holdout year. And even that year we have revisionist history because James Conner got hurt during the fantasy playoffs. And even though he's the hero for a good chunk of the year, you couldn't use him when it mattered. He has consistently gotten hurt over the course of his career. I mean, obviously an amazing story, his background, but over the course of his NFL career, consistently hurt. I could see him landing maybe somewhere like the Jets. Uh, that would make sense, but I don't think he's going to be viable going forward, unfortunately, for fantasy.
Very quickly on tight ends, it appears like Hunter Henry is going to end up in free agency. Gronk is in free agency. Jonu Smith, who I mentioned, uh, Eric Ebron. Those seem to be the biggest four that at least I can... Gerald Everett, I guess, is the other one as well, a 27-year-old, would be the big five that are out there. Henry seems to be leaps and bounds the best of these options. But, you know, when you only play two games a year, it's really good to look good in spurts. And I don't know where the landing destinations are for these guys, though, to be like, oh, he went there. He's a top 10 fantasy tight end i just don't see it like hunter henry his name will be a top 10 option regardless of where he goes but i don't know if that's actually going to translate into actual production yeah i have to say i was definitely disappointed they didn't uh they didn't uh uh, tag him so maybe that means they are in play like that's that is a location where you could say if Gerald Everett goes there, all of a sudden Gerald Everett goes from a guy who we almost are like, do we really have to play this guy? I call him three for 32 guys. They get three, three catches, three 32 yards basically every week. And either they score a touchdown and they're good or they don't. And they're not, And I'm, you know, saying that a bit tongue in cheek, that's the perception, but there's so many of those guys in the league. And he's been in that situation with, with Tyler Higby where, you know, they cannibalize off of each other. If he went to, uh, the Chargers and the Chargers don't have to pay him. Hunter Henry's going to now make. I mean, the top paid guys are up over 15 million. Uh, you have George Kittle at least at 15 million. You have Travis Kelsey over 14 million. 13 million, 14 million a year for for Hunter Henry. That's that seems likely, and I could see the Jacksonville Jaguars p- paying that price for him. So, do I love it? No. Do I hate it? No, definitely not. You know, we'll, we'll see what Trevor Lawrence ultimately is. But they do need some uh, they need some pass catching options there. So that would be a, a, a spot where he would retain the top 10. I don't think Gerald Everett moves up, by the way, to the top 10 if he goes to the Chargers, but he definitely moves into the he's now draftable category. So basically like the top 18, he'll be in that 12 to 18 late round flyer range with an exciting quarterback with an opportunity to catch passes if he went there. So whoever goes there, Gronk's not going anywhere. Gronk's playing with Brady and that's it. If he's going anywhere else, you know, it's retirement and then to do other things. Uh, you mentioned John R. Smith. He's the other name that that could be the other option there for the, the chargers. Cause I just don't see teams. You don't, you know, if you have a running back issue, you let your running back walk, you could legit draft a starter or heck not even draft sign a starter as a UDFA as the Jags did this year uh, with Robinson you can't do that at tight end. You can't draft a tight end and be like, yep, he's our starter. It just doesn't work that way. The position has such a steep learning curve. So you almost have to address the position via free agent free agency. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was one of those two younger guys, but ever to me is a little bit more intriguing. Cause you know what? You bring up John o. Smith. How about Delaney Walker? Delaney Walker was stuck in San Francisco for seven years, seven years behind Vernon Davis. Then he goes to Tennessee and explodes. We knew it was there all along. He just needed the opportunity. Everett could have a similar situation, but be younger. Like he's kind of stuck in that cannibalizing situation in Los Angeles. Get him to somewhere else. Uh, He could explode for fantasy purposes. Be one of those intriguing upside guys. So Gronk back to Tampa if Brady's still there, obviously. Antonio Brown the same way? Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of teams in the NFL who actually would take him on. And I, I think, you know, they're all, they all are well aware of the very, very unique and good thing that they have at their, uh, you know, to their advantage right now. They have this situation where they can make another Super Bowl run. And that's not just saying, you know, every year we say that, right? Oh, they could be in the Super Bowl. No, this team is going to have a lot of 
the core nucleus back. Levante Davis looks like he's going to walk. Shaq Barrett looks like he's going to walk. But you have Godwin. You have Mike Evans. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. You have a great offensive line. You could, I don't know, draft Travis Etienne at the end of round one as well. A little luxury pick there to give you some juice out of the backfield. Antonio Brown, what else does he really have to do at this point? I mean, obviously make money, but now he can maybe help repair his legacy, pad it a little bit with another Super Bowl ring, possibly. I, I don't see him going anywhere else. Uh, even though he's old, the market for Trent Williams, I would imagine is going to be high as he is the best of the non-tagged offensive linemen available. But he may just end up back in San Francisco. But for these, some of these defensive guys, just very quickly, I want you to, I'm going to say a name, and then you tell me which team you think they sign with and the team that you think they would best fit with in a you know, dream scenario. Justin Simmons. Well, he's going to stay in Denver, tagged and ah. best fit. No, they did tag him. Now I'm not even reading this right. Shaq Barrett, not tagged by the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers. Shaq Barrett, um, let's see. He's going to break the bank. So uh, going somewhere like, let's see, Jacksonville. <laughs> Because they have so much money. Or the Jets. No, here you go. The the Jets. I think it's the Jets. Uh, With Robert Sala, you know, great situation to play there for, uh, you know, one of the better defensive minds in the league. Exciting coach. And should be able to get paid in the process. Levante David, another buck who is no longer, who's not going to be franchise tagged after Godwin was. It feels like he ends up back in Tampa, doesn't he? He could. I don't know if he takes that discount or not. Uh, we could see him land in a spot like, you know, one, one of these um, Cincinnati, Washington, one of those teams who has more money to spend. I mean, Washington would be an interesting spot uh, for, for uh, Levante David. They do have plenty of money to spend. How about someone like Anthony Harris? Ooh, Anthony Harris. I, I almost feel like I, I would love to see him just stay. You know, I thought they would, there was a chance that we could see a franchise tag there, but you know, staying with Minnesota, I, I think, you know, honestly, would make the most sense for me. There's so many safeties. Like Marcus Williams yeah. is available in free agency. Just everyone's just like, yeah, we'll just draft rookie safeties, and that'll be the end of it. Kind of. I mean, you know, this, if you look at the, the the franchise tag numbers too, they don't make that much as it is. So yeah, I mean, it does make sense. To, instead of paying these guys pr- top dollar, which now is going to be, you know, 14, $15 million a year. Why not? Why not just keep drafting these young guys, getting them in? A lot of these secondaries are built that way. I mean, look at Tampa, for example, it's a great example of a, you know, young, really young secondary where you can save some money and then allocate that elsewhere. Last one. He was banged up last year. He's 33 years old, but he might still have a season left in the tank. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, uh, let's see. How about the Raiders? Uh, since there was already tampering there, John Gruden basically going out and saying it in public on record pretty much on the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Uh, they need help on the defensive side of the ball. If they view themselves as a viable playoff team, which I do think they are, they're, you know, they just need to hold it together for the entire season. They have to address the defense. And getting Sherman in one more year, I I think actually could help them out. So go with the Raiders. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. More NFL coverage coming at you. If you want some past NFL coverage, you check out the Mayo Media Network. Subscribe to the channel or the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, which you should also subscribe to and leave a rating and review. Jeff, every day on Sirius, what time can people hear you? 
Uh, 10 to noon Eastern on uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Sirius 210 XM 87. But, you know, you don't even have to listen live. You can just download the Sirius XM app. Just search out my name, Jeff Ratcliffe, not Jeff Radcliffe. Leave that poor dude alone. Uh, use the T in there, and then you can find – it's kind of – hey, man, it's kind of like listening to a podcast. It's the way I structure these off-season shows, so you don't necessarily have to listen live. It still sounds fresh two or three days later if you miss it. And the free agent trackers up on FTNFantasy.com, uh, as are the top free agents list if you want to go check that out. Plus, you're doing NASCAR as well. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, we're having a lot of fun with that. Doing projections. I'm running simulations, 10,000 uh, simulations of each race each week. I've had a lot of success this past week. I had a pretty good week, but our guy Javi Perlezzo over at FTNDaily.com absolutely crushed, man. And just using the same, we're all using the same information. We're all providing it to you as well as a subscriber. So if you want to get in on that, hey, if you like football and you've never messed around with NASCAR DFS, for me, it makes a lot of sense because unlike basketball where you have to grind every single day, it's one week in between. You have that that slate, and then you get a little bit of a breather, and then you're back into it another slate the next week every uh, Saturday or Sunday. It's a good it's a good sport to do in the offseason. All right. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Ratcliffe. You can follow me at the PME. I got some giveaways up there right now, plus that fantasy baseball giveaway I told you about. Hit the description. Leave a five-star review, say something nice about the show, about fantasy baseball picks and bets on Apple Podcasts. You're a draw for 100 bucks. Tune in Monday to find out if you've won, okay? I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.